All right, well, I want to start this morning by reading some scripture with you. I hope you brought a Bible today. If you didn't bring a Bible, I hope you will um, uh, bring one. If you don't have one, I said this a few weeks ago, if you don't have your own Bible, talk to myself, talk to my wife, Chris Dempsey, uh, talk to someone else in leadership here. Just tell us that you don't have one. What we're going to do is put together a little... Um, uh, I don't call it a program, but an opportunity for you to kind of pick a Bible you want and we'll get it for you. And it'll be yours, no strings attached. We don't want to give you like a, a standard issue Family Bible Church Bible. You can have one of those, by the way, but then, you, you know, it's not really yours. You kind of feel like, well, everybody knows you got it from us or whatever. So if you want your own custom, cool, pleather, gold, I don't know, whatever you want, you want your name on it, just let us know. Uh, we have some folks who are going to step up and do that for you. And it's just our way because we think it's really important to be in the Word of God. Um, it's a, a huge part of worship. So if you brought a Bible today, get it out. If you didn't bring one, grab one of ours off the table. Um, we're going to look at the 24th chapter of Luke this morning. And then we're going to kind of talk through it. It's on page 735 of the Bibles that are on the tables or in the end of the rows today, if you don't have one. I'll give you just a second to turn there. I'm going to read from verse 13 to verse uh, 32. Hear the word of God with me this morning. Luke writes, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, Cleopas, we'll go with that, uh, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem and do not know the things that have happened here in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. In addition, some of our women have amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb also and found it just like the women had said, but him they did not see. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus acted as if he was going on farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us because it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks. He broke it and began to give it to them. And then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They looked at each other and said, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and when he opened the scriptures to us? Let's pray today. Father God, we come today into your house of worship to sing praises for your goodness, to sing praises of your salvation, 
to sing praises of your kingdom coming, the work that you're doing among us. And today, Father, we've come into this place we call sanctuary, this time and space we've set aside to listen to you, if no other time this week, that we'll hear you speak to us. We pray today that that's what would happen, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear the truth of the gospel of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. And we pray today, Father, that your Holy Spirit would move among us in profound ways, not that we could be amazed, but that we could be drawn nearer to you, nearer to your heart, and nearer to your truth and purpose for our lives. May we know you intimately. May we worship you fully. May we celebrate your resurrection because of the hope that we have in Jesus. And we pray today that uh, you would speak to us. Your words, not mine. Your purposes, not ours. Your glory. We ask these things in Jesus' high, holy name. Amen. So we're going to continue this series we've been doing called uh, Neighbored, Living Your Life from the Inside Out. And those of you who've been with us every week kind of know where we're at in this process. And, but last week, we talked about this idea of bringing everyone to Jesus, right? We talked about the guys who tore the hole in the roof and lowered uh, the man down so he could be healed. No, so he could be forgiven his sins. And then Jesus said, so that you might know that I have the power to forgive sins. Be healed. And in this week, we're, we're hearing this, this uh, we're thinking of this idea of, of this journey we have with one another, this time that we have on earth together. Not only in our whole lifespan of time on earth together, but specifically times like this. I mean, times like this today, where for whatever reason, for whatever purposes, we are in this room, in this time, in this space together in relationship with one another. We often talk about the need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There comes a day, there comes a day when we will stand before the holy God and ask where we stand. What is our hope? And we have one answer. Jesus Christ, crucified, died, and resurrected. The spirit of God living in us. The fact that we know him and he knows us. And yet as believers, when we start to live our lives in this way, right, we begin, we have this time together, this time as a community of faith. And so today we want to talk about that part of our journey, how we have this time to walk, to pray, to live, to think, to care, to love. And I love this passage that we have today because this comes right on the heels of last week, you know, in the Gospel of Luke, the celebration. As a matter of fact, when we talk about, um, the, uh, when we talk about this passage, we'll hear that the, the, it's, it's very, very, very much tied to the story of the resurrection of Jesus. Very much tied into the same story of, of Martha who went to the tomb and Mary and Peter who ran back to see if they were telling the truth. But there's something that happens in this gospel. There's something that happens that this community of faith <clears throat> begins to have this uncomfortable re reliance upon one another. 
And we kind of heard it last week. You know, we have the story of, of the, the women who go to the tomb to care for Jesus, to, to anoint his body, to, 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 to mourn. And, and when they come back in their own community of faith, they've all known Jesus in this journey. They've all seen him die. They don't believe each other. They don't believe each other. And so in this way, we start to see some issues with the community that we have together in Christ, how there's the, those questions about, was well, that real? Is that the truth? Well, as we, as we dig into the word today, I want to talk about kind of three big ideas about things that we experience on this journey together, the journey that we have together. And the first thought that we're going to have today is this, um, that we grow together on the way that we grow together on the way. This idea that, that when they came back and, and from the tomb professing that Christ was raised, not everyone was sure about it. And there was some discussion, some dialogue. I'll point out to you that in this passage we read today, it says, now on that same day, this is the very day of resurrection, two of them were going to a village. And so here's where we see the story begin in this passage. The same day of the resurrection, the same day that the hope of, of the, the God, you know, we say God's final amen over death, his final word about who's in charge in the world, we have these two guys who are journeying to a town seven miles away. And it's, it talks about how they were, they were um, coming, they were going to this village of uh, Emmaus and talking together on the way. I want you to see something, because I always say when we read the word of God, it's important we know what we're talking about, because this isn't just two guys on the road. You know, it's not like, and that day there was these two guys who kind of were nearby or whatever. But whenever the text says, now that same day, two of them, we have to say, well, two of who? So we know the day is the day of resurrection, but two of them, and, and who, the, who, the, um, who the them are. Look back a little bit in verse 9, it says this, when they came back from the tomb, that's the women, they told all these things to the 11 and the others. And so these two guys who were on the road had been there and witnessed this testimony firsthand. Two of them, not just two people, but two of them who were there to hear the confession of a brother or a sister in Christ. Two of them who had been journeying with Jesus and his disciples all this time. Two of them who should have known that when God did something miraculous, that kind of makes sense. But that's not who we find on the road together. We find them, look in verse 14, talking to each other about everything that had happened. I love that it says in verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, uh, Jesus came up amongst them, but they were kept from recognizing him. But they're, they're, they're walking along the road, and they're so caught up in what they're doing, their conversations, that, that they don't even know what's, the, what's really happening around them. So this might sound obvious, but I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I feel like we don't have a good grasp of this. Maybe I don't have a good grasp of this. Because there's this thing we talk about with having this relationship with Jesus by ourselves, but there's something that's happening in community together. There's something that's happening on the road as we walk along together and talk about things. And I believe these two men, as much as we can, you know, kind of read Jesus' words of indictment against them, how can you be so kind of closed-minded about what God is doing? The flip side is they were at least having a conversation together. They were at least wondering together. 
They were at least struggling together as they walked along the road. One of our things we do here at Family Bible, we talk about uh, small groups a lot and opportunities to get involved. And one of the ways we do that is in our, uh, several ways. I mean, women's ministries, Bible studies, men's ministries, things like that. Uh, Grapple, Krabby, those are all small group kind of settings for people to dig into the word and take their faith seriously. Family groups, another opportunity to do that. You know, there's lots and lots of ways to do that. And then other ways in the community. But I want to share a verse with you from Proverbs, right? And, and this is important to our men's ministry. We talk about this all the time in our men's ministry. The reason that we do what we do. Proverbs records this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, right? And it gives us this very telling word picture of the need to be working things out together. That you have your relationship with Jesus Christ, and he's revealed himself to you, and he's speaking truth into your life. And yet when we get together and we rub against one another, when we get together and we're like working it out, and we're really kind of refining ourselves. By the way, we do a Thursday morning men's breakfast. We do this here, there as well. We really kind of dig in, and we go, is that what that means? Is that how that works? Is that what happens? We talked about the Saturday breakfast coming up this Saturday, where they're going to do the same thing. And so we have this idea that in community we grow together, that, that we have this opportunity to be sharpened, to be honed, to know God more than if you were just alone with your Bible praying and hoping you can figure it out. I will tell you something, Family Bible Church, about us. We stand as a local, non-affiliated, non-denominational church I say that because that's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal that we aren't part of any other denomination, any other structures. Our leadership team and the people who gather here each Sunday are about the mission of this church, and we worked it out. And that's awesome because we have what they call local church autonomy. It means we do what we think we ought to do. But the flip side is that we don't have any of the built-in accountability, the built-in you know, hierarchy, the built-in... Uh, traditions and habits that we have to rub against to figure out, are, can, are we going the right way here? And I say this to you, and you go, well, what's it matter to me? I think that the, the, the blessing in our autonomy is we can do what we feel God's calling us to do. The danger is that if we don't really hold each other accountable, we can get off in a ditch. You know what I mean? I mean, if you all aren't actively involved in the process of discerning what God's calling this church to do, we can get off in a ditch. And so this iron sharpening iron isn't for certain people who are going to take a leadership role or certain people who are going to do. It's, it's the people of God listening together and talking together and struggling together about what it means to follow Jesus. And if we lose that, we are really, really, you know, in, in danger, I guess I would say. If a few people can just decide what's going to happen with no resistance or challenge or conversation. But there's something else about this growing together that I want to talk about. I think it's a really cool thought because we have a tendency to be kind of so small-minded about the realities that we live in. And it's this. We always say, you know, that uh, God has a purpose, right, for us. He has a reason that we're all here together today. I think the reason we're here together today is because God needs to be here to, to, to learn, to interact, to love, to share, to grow. And if we weren't here, we wouldn't experience it. 
I was having a great conversation over a meal one time with, with a family that we're really close to. And, and this, uh, this young lady who just impresses me to no end, she's, she's just super smart, one of those people that, you know, I think she has a PhD, but even without the education, she's just a thinker. She's just smart, you know. And we're having this conversation, and I was just kind of having a fun meal. I wasn't even thinking about any, anything deep or, or whatever, you know. I was just talking to somebody I hadn't seen in a while. And, and this young lady says, um, have you ever thought about the miracle of our time together? And I'm like, well, yeah, it's good to see you. I haven't seen you in a few years. It's nice to see you again. And she's like, no, have you ever thought about the miracle of our time together? She's like, I had this conversation with, with someone who's working on a thesis, which means they're probably spending too much time thinking, I guess. But she said, I'm having this conversation, and he's talking about the miracle of generational life. Then we think about the really profound things that have happened in our society, the things in our history books that have happened, it was all the interaction of human beings at that time. It could have only happened in that way. They were sharing the generation. If you think about your lifespan as what? We'll say 80 years, right? If we're living, you know, reasonably healthy lives. Maybe less, maybe more, right? But if you look at your lifespan and then you kind of extend out the generations around you, you will have this time to interact with this layer, this slice of God's, hum God's creation, God's humanity. And those are the people that we interact with. And it gets down to things like today, right now, the people in this room. Now, see, this doesn't seem all that exciting. You know, it's just like life. So what? A bunch of people here. But what this young lady told me, and it just blew me away, she said, think about it. Even down to this conversation we're having now, that we're the only two people that could have it. And she was like, isn't that cool? You guys are, I know you're probably thinking, it's too early in the morning for this kind of stuff, right? I tell you what, God has out on my heart lately this idea that growing together, and I'll tell you where I see it, whenever, you know, we're doing our greeting time or whatever, and, and I see one of the little guys running around shaking hands, I'm always like, it's so good to see you. I can't believe you're here. And they go, I'm here every week. Isn't that amazing? You're here every week. Go to your family group this week. Wow, it's the same 12 people. How awesome. We can take that for granted, but believe me, God is doing something among us when we engage and grow together. And Casey saw it. When she said, isn't it amazing that this is our generation and this is our time and the people around us will be the history makers and we can be involved in that conversation. And then when you put a sovereign God into that, when you really see the truth of God's plan and you believe God, if you have that conviction, which I have, that God is coordinating these opportunities, wow, how awesome is it that we have this time to grow together? Because here's the truth. We act like we're going to have all the time in the world. But we're not. We have seasons together in which we can grow. I'm, I'm always reminded when I think about growing together, because I think we're, we really live in a culture where I can do it, you know? And so when we talk about things like growing together in community or interacting or the miracle of just knowing one another and how awesome that is in and of itself, I think we can get, you know, ignore it and think, well, I, I could do this with any group of people. 
I could do this on my own. I could do this. I could do this myself. That rugged individualism that we were all born into. I heard someone say something about the Bible one time that always stuck with me. I think I may have said it here before, but I'm going to say it again this morning. It, it, it's kind of surprising that if you read the Bible cover to cover, front to back, it starts in a garden with two people. And that's most people's vision of paradise, isn't it? Me and the person I love the most, hanging out with God in a beautiful garden with all the stuff we could ever want. Right? But if you read it from the front to the back, the end of the Bible actually says, there's a whole bunch of people. And it's a city. And it's going to be awesome. And we sang about this morning. We're going to be worshiping God together. We're going to be standing with the angels of heaven singing, holy, holy, holy. We're going to be, we're going to be in, you know, with Christ. We will see fully, the Bible says, what now we know in part. And, and we're going to this place. And so here's my fear for us as rugged individualists. How are we going to live in a place where we only grow together? How are we going to fit in if we, if we if, you know, if we you know, have that belief that we don't need anyone else to worship God. The Bible starts in a garden and ends in a city. It starts with a couple people and ends with, I don't even know what the number is, worshipers, city of worshipers, God's kingdom. So the first questions I have about this idea of growing together, and this is me with you, church. This isn't, I mean, again, I always say that, but that's really true, is this. Are you finding yourselves now in your life more or less comfortable around other people? I mean, do you have that tendency to isolate yourself away? Or, or do you find yourself like, yeah, no, I can, I can come into this, this, this setting and I can listen to other people. I can spend time with them. I can live my life among them. Here's another question. Do you have anyone in your life do you have anyone in your life with whom you can share and confide your deepest struggles? Or are you trying to do it all by yourself? Is there a person in your life that you can share with? Do you have that belief somewhere deeply lodged, deep inside your soul that says, I can do this on my own. I can find my way home without any help from anybody. See, I think I have that in me. So the next question is pointed because it says, if that's what we believe, what malformed the truth of who God made us to be? What is in your life that bent you so against other human beings that you go, I don't need anybody? When God looks at his children, does he see you off in the corner by yourself? So the first is that on the way, and by the way, on the way, I mean walking with Jesus. This is in Christ. We grow together. We grow together in our journey. The second thing I want to talk about is that um, we invest in each other on the way. We intentionally invest in one another on the way. 
as we heard the story from Luke and how they were walking along the road, you got these two disciples who were there when they came and they told, the women told them about this, this resurrection. And they're walking on the road. And I told you they're so caught up that they don't even see Jesus. But I want you to really understand that when you read the conversation where Jesus asks, what are you discussing as you walk along together? They did not know it was Jesus asking the question. They, they saw him as a stranger, as other as not included. As a matter of fact, when you see the response, they say, are you only a visitor and do not know the things that have happened there in these days? They're thinking, how can you not know this? You're under a rock, right? And they really don't see him as anyone who would know or would have a clue. And so I want you to see that the conversation they have with Jesus where he says, well, what things? He's asked simple questions. And they go about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. And they give this testimony, the story they saw in Christ. And they had said, by the way, in 21, but we had hoped he would redeem Israel. See, they had given up that Jesus had redeemed anything. They didn't believe it. But yet I want you to see that in the passage, when they saw the stranger, they still cared enough to have a conversation, Right? I mean, they could have been like, just walked away. They could have ignored him, but they stopped and they talked to him. It says they stopped where they were and they shared the story and they walked along with him on the road to Emmaus together. They spent time with Jesus, even though they only saw him as a stranger among them. Verse 17 says that, um, that they stood still and their faces were downcast. So when the stranger approached them, they were hurting. They weren't sure of themselves. They weren't confident. They weren't, they weren't you know, uh, um, had a big plan for how we're going to share the gospel with the world. They were really just downcast. Their, their faces were downturned. And they were hurting. And then, like I said, they were, I would say this, and this is amazing for disciples of Jesus who had witnessed the resurrection, right? It says that they were without hope. But we had hoped he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You see, they had given up on any gospel from Jesus. Disciples on the road. And so they walk along with this stranger on the road, and they tell him the confession they know about Christ. And then they start to listen. And this is really striking. Because when he says, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe what the prophets have spoken. And in verse 27 says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, the stranger explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning the Christ, which is who is speaking. They don't know this. And so they're walking along the road and they begin to listen and to hear the gospel narrative explained again. I say that because in a way we can see these guys investing in the stranger, right? They could have said, hey, we got things, better things to do. Hey, we're having a really bad day. But they, they stopped and they spent time with the stranger on the road. But the flip side is this. The stranger began to explain to the disciples what it was they were missing. Now, see, I'm not sure if you and I believe that's possible. I think sometimes we can get into this place where, like, all the truth I can get is from God. That's true. But God can't use anyone else to explain it to me. That's not true. And, and we can stand in and say, and surely that person has nothing to say to me about the gospel. Surely they can't share anything about the truth. And that's not true. And so in this, in this situation, we see these two people who, 
who take time with a stranger, and a stranger who opens the eyes of the apostles, of the disciples. That's pretty profound. It wasn't only them who was investing in the story as they walked along the road, but it was the stranger investing in them. And they had this time together where they poured into one another. I want to share a few verses of scripture with you that come from outside of the Gospel of Luke. And the first I'm going to share with you comes from the book of Hebrews. It's in the beginning of Hebrews. I'm going to pull it up on the screen here. But it's in, it's in uh, verse 3. I'm going to read a little bit around it. Um, and then I'll have the key kind of uh, thought up on the screens here. But it says this in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 to 14. Paul writes, or the, the author of Hebrews writes and says, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Listen to it again. See to it, brothers, right, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. That's what I was talking about earlier. We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the confidence that we had when we first met him, right? And so there's this idea that um, we're, we're called to encourage each other daily in our walk, to really invest in each other's lives, to spend time and, and, and check those things out and work it out together, investing in one another. Somewhere else I'm going I'm to share... Um, from 1 Corinthians, I'm going to pull it up here as well. I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5. This is Paul writing, and I'm going to read a little bit around it too. In verse 9 it says, Because God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, right, this is about salvation, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul says, church. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, for that reason, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you are doing. So here is the call again. Same thing we hear from Hebrews. Invest in one another. Encourage one another. You know, don't make each other do it alone. Challenge each other. Invest in each other. Follow Christ together. And then the last one I'm going to share goes back to Hebrews again. And this is Hebrews, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And this is the author again saying, and let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, to spur one another along. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let me see if I can pull it up. Right? Let us not give up meeting together as some in the habit of, are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another, and all the more so as the day approaches. And so here he goes even further, and the author is saying, not only encourage each other, but don't quit getting together. Continue investing your time. Continue investing yourselves in each other. Well, here's the thing, right? We read that stuff and we're like, yeah, I get it. Encourage each other. Yeah, I get it. Invest in one another. Yeah, I get it. Don't quit getting together like on a normal basis. Make this your habit, not the exception that you're hanging out together with other believers. But I want to remind you that the letter to Hebrews, right, and the letter to the Thessalonians, for sure, is written to the churches. 
we can read that stuff and we can say, well, yeah, you know, I mean, if you're, if it should say, you know, pastors encourage others, right? Um, it should say, uh, you know, um, leaders invest in each other. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying, as you're doing, invest in each other. Church, invest in each other. Some of the most exciting stuff that I see among us is when you all are investing in each other. Because that's God's work. When you're spending time together, that's God's work. And it's his people following his commands. So the churches are called to invest in each other. Now, I'm not sure if you're like me at all, but I remember uh, one of my favorite things we did back in high school was we had those yo mama jokes. Thank you. I knew somebody would appreciate that. My favorite yo mama joke, well, no, that's my favorite. I can't say my favorite because we're in church. But my favorite yo mama joke is yo mama's so broke, she can't even pay attention. That was always funny to me. I was raised poor, I told you. It's funny. My mom was broke. She can't pay attention. Listen, here's the thing. I wonder in our own lives, how broke are we that we can't even pay attention? How broken are we that we can't listen, that we can't invest in one another, that we can't give of ourselves, of our time, because we say there isn't enough, there simply isn't enough. Does your week involve being intentional about reaching out to someone else with your time or an encouraging word or a listening ear? Does your week ever stop for one person, just one person the whole week that you would stop and say, this person, I'm going to listen, I'm going to invest, I'm going to care? Maybe a more troubling question is, are we hoarding the wisdom that God gave to us? Are we hoarding the gifts he gave us? There's an expression, another expression that says, I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less. Too often those words come off of our tongue. So the third thing we hear, and this is, you know, this is kind of the punchline of the story, and, and it's the moment where you know, it just gives me chills, just go, oh, wow, that's amazing. But I wanted to walk through that, how these, they, they were, you know, they were uh, living life together and growing together, and how they were investing in one another along the way. But at the end of this narrative, we hear the story about what happens when we do these things, when we're willing to invest and listen and, and, and struggle together and talk about things that we aren't sure about, that we're concerned with, that are, that are upsetting us that we don't have all the answers. And it comes at the very end of the passage there in this story. And it's, it says this. By the way, Jesus the stranger invested so much in these guys that they begged him to stay with them. Isn't that profound? He invested so heavily in this conversation on the seven miles that they said, you can't go on. We want to spend more time with you. And so into that place, he spends time with them. And at the end, we hear the story about how when he came to their house with a table and he broke bread, it says this. I love this verse. At that time, at that place, at that moment, it says, then their eyes were opened and they saw Jesus for who he was. Wow. 
Because he hears the cool thing is that Christ shows up on the way. That Christ literally shows up and we have those aha moments. We have those wow, that's what's happening moments when we invest in each other in this way, when we spend time together, when we believe that we have something to learn and not just teach, when we can submit to each other in humility, when we can just spend time and just go, God, show me what you're doing here in the situation. And I hope that you're having those things together. I hope that you're really seeing more than just the mundane life, more than just, well, yeah, it was nice because we're friends or we hung out, but that you really look back and you're like, did we not see it then that God was working there? How do we miss that? I love that they ask the question of each other. Look at how they continue to journey. Were not our hearts burning within us while he shared with us on the road and opened scripture to us? This is the miracle of Jesus coming and living among us. This is the miracle of him showing up in our midst. You remember where they were in the closed room when he came after resurrection, and, and the first words that he said to them was what? Peace. And this is still the work that Jesus does in our lives. When we're together, he shows up and he says, peace. We're in family groups, or in times of joy, or in times of struggle and pain. In times of uncertainty, Christ shows up and says peace to us. Jesus makes a profound promise, comes in the Gospel of Matthew. In, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, if two of you agree on anything, my Father will give it to you. And then he says something really profound. He says, where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Present. Here, now. Why is it important that when we're spending time in prayer together, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of sell somebody out. One of my favorite things, because we do this on Thursday mornings, we'll, we'll pray. Who wants to pray? And we'll pray. And then at the end, Lance Carp, and I don't think Lance is here this morning, but he'll say, um, I agree with my brother's prayer. You know, come on, Lance. You know? you know Lance? He said it before, right? And yet, Scripture says, or any two of you agree on anything you ask for, my Father will give it to you. Hmm. Jesus says, where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I with you. There, I, there am I among you. So my last question today is this. Are you regularly putting yourself in situations where, or I guess environments is the word, are you regularly putting yourself in environments where God's promises show up, where they are expected to show up? Do you, do you live into those things? Are you watching for him in, with eyes like that to say, what are you doing right here, right now? And, and do you have eyes to see him in those aha moments? Those are, those are the things that are worth living for. Those are the things that are worth striving for. So I have three challenges for you this week, family challenge. This is the fifth week of our series. We're going to wrap up next week. It'll be the final week. And uh, we're going to have some really cool things we're going to do as well. So uh, it's going to be awesome. But here's the challenges for the week. And, and the first one's going to be kind of obvious because I already talked about. But, you know, identify someone. You know, I think we can get overwhelmed with the concept, like, you mean I got to care for everybody? No, I don't mean, care for everybody. That's God's job, right? But just identify someone, just one. And just say, I'm going I'm to invest in that person. 
Whoever it is. Like God show you the opportunity. And maybe it's just for one moment of the week. Maybe it's for a longer term. Maybe you're going to say, that person I'm going to invest in for a long time. But do that. Identify someone you can invest in. When I watched, I, I tell you one of the funny things is we got rid of cable and stuff, and one of the weird things is once the 24-hour news cycle stops, your problems become much more localized. Because <laughs> I think we can watch. I think the bad thing about 24-hour news channels is you can see the world and go, there is no way we can help the situation. But the truth is that you can help someone. You can help one. The old story about the, the boy on the beach with all the starfish that are, that are dying, and he's throwing back one at a time, and someone says, you can't possibly fix this. And he says, I helped that one, didn't I? Right? We can do that. Identify someone. Don't overlook your family here, by the way. Our first call is to care for our family. Second thing is this. Invest in them. Find a tangible way to invest in them. Spending time together, doing life together. We talk about that all the time in Family Bible Church. Just doing life together. That means both sides. It doesn't mean just showing up and being the giver all the time. It means having to receive sometimes. It means having to live your life in an open manner that they see all the ugly stuff too and that they invest in you. Do that. Do life together with that person. And then the third thing is to watch for Christ to show up, to watch for him to move in your life. I'll never forget the time that I was in church and it was an ordinary Sunday. Pastor preached a horrible message. It was terrible. It was. It was awful. I was sitting there thinking, what was that? You know, the train wreck. Oof. And at the end of that moment, God showed up and he spoke into my heart and he said, son, today is a day that you're going to know my love like never before. I want to ask you if you're ready for an aha moment. Join me in prayer. Father God, today we've come into your house, and maybe our expectations were high, and maybe they were low. But you know, we can never, we can never not be amazed by you. You are an awesome God. And we pray today, Father, that as we've come here, maybe we've heard some things that all of it just burns away because what we want is to know you we want to have that moment where an ordinary day becomes extraordinary because you speak to us. Father, for every heart and mind here today who feels so far from you, who feels there's no way it can be true for me, I pray that your Holy Spirit would make your love known in undeniable ways. Pray that we would have the honesty, the integrity to admit to you that we have messed up and that we can't fix this. We can't do this alone. And that we would let you in to move and to shape and to mold us, to redeem us and do your will in our lives. And then, Father, I pray that for those of us who know you but don't know you fully, we want to know you more, and we pray that you would continue to challenge us. We pray that these words that we've talked about, these things that we've shared, are more than ideas, but lifestyles. 
and that we could live life together, do life together, that you could heal all of us through your power and through the work of your people. Be glorified, we ask. Have your way with us and do your will today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.